Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, I am joined by Caroline Goals. Caroline is the CMO of Pax8. If you haven't heard of Pax8 before, they are super successful in helping organizations buy, sell, and manage their cloud solutions. Now they do this through a partner network. Now, let me give you an idea of the type of scale that we're talking about. Aside from the 1600 employees they have and 65 marketers within that, they are serving over 17 markets. To do that, they use partners. Over 30,000 partners who in turn work with over 500,000 customers. That's right, 500,000 customers. You think about what that means in the revenue, which is now over a billion in recurring revenue for this company, and the way you need to go to market. And luckily, Caroline is all about go-to-market motion, not just on the marketing side, but a large part of her career was in sales strategy, sales enablement, how we go to market through a sales team. So she recently came over to the marketing side with all of that knowledge of how to enable reps and how that trickles down to these partners. We end up having some fantastic conversations about how to work as one team, but also how to use content to get the right message in front of the right buyer at the right time. Keep in mind, as I said, 500,000 different customers that they're working through these partners. That's a lot of different permutations. And she talks all about that balance of art and science in doing so. Here's our chat. Caroline, this is going to be so much fun because your career already has so many amazing brands and one that no question is going to be a household name one day. I'm convinced uh, the scale of PAX 8 is fascinating. Maybe you can start there with how big this company is. Sure. And Randy, it's great to be here. Um, and thanks. I'm looking forward for, to a good conversation. So PAX 8 is a global solutions marketplace for MSPs, ITs, MSSPs, we support partners who support um, primarily small and mid-market businesses across the globe. And so Pax8 is about 1,600 people worldwide um, living in service every day to our partners. Our, our marketing team is about 65 and growing strong. And we have the great honor of working with about 30,000 plus um, active partners in our network. Uh, they service and support and delight about half a million uh, small businesses in the world every day. And we have the great pleasure of working with upwards of 80 plus vendors. So we've got 80 plus vendors on our line card of solutions everywhere from productivity, infrastructure, security, and the like. So um, it's a great space to be and we're having a heap of fun. That's wild. So many solutions, as you said, 80 different solutions alone. Uh, we're going to get into how you're enabling your sales team to work with these partners to enable their customers. It's it's quite the trickle down of, of enablement, if you will. And I, I, I'm going to assume that your career, and I alluded to some of the amazing brands you've been with before, those include Adobe and Microsoft, about 20 years between those two companies. There's no question that you had a great run in the world of sales enablement. Tell us a little bit about how that helped 
prepare you for this gig today? Oh, that's a great question. So I, I live in service of of salespeople, as you said, every day, and uh, and their customers. And you know, to me, the the fantastic thing about sales and marketing in our modern world is that I think about sales and marketing. People talk about it as connected. I think about it as a a, a Mobius loop. You know, it's a single surface area that that supports. Um, our customers, our partners in this case, every day. And, you know, I think salespeople are great. Salespeople are why people. And so, you know, you have to have your value prop really down well, and salespeople are great at that. You know, they they need to understand the why. They need to know what that looks like. I've been in and around sales and go-to-market. My through line is go-to-market. But as you've evidenced, you know, working with salespeople brings a lot of clarity. I live in in awe of the salespeople that I've worked with you know, at Microsoft and here at Pax8, who can sit and and build solutions and and service partners across a myriad of complex solutions, right? So, at, like I said, everywhere from Microsoft Office 365 to Azure to AWS to Sentinel One, and and really build that out and and having that ability to intuit and understand and seek. I think salespeople are why people and they're learners, and I think the best salespeople learn and ask questions and engage every day, and so our job at Pax8 in, in marketing is to, you know, build out the content that help them seek to understand and, you know, seek to start a dialogue and a conversation with a partner in an authentic way. Our journeys and our funnel are really complex, right? Because we're, we're B2B2B. Um, and, and across 80 product lines, you can't presume to know anything. You have to be a learner. And so we've broken down our journey a little bit into three major areas, just to keep it simple to start, which is, most partners in the world and most businesses at any given moment are centered around one or two major solutions, which is growing my business, increasing efficiencies, and, and efficiencies can be operational or otherwise, business go-to-market. And the third one is reducing risk. And risk can be security risk. Risk can be operational or business risk. Um, and so we start there. And, and we, we've anchored around those value propositions across marketing and sales and just live in those pathways and arm our sales team with really good content that helps people understand where they are. And particularly for MSPs, you know, they're, they're, they're in growth mode and sometimes they're in security mode. And so understanding how to um, build that engagement. And what I always say about to the marketing team is for us, I want every partner in our 30,000 partner network to spend all sorts of time saying, if Randy was our salesperson, man, Randy must run around that building shouting our value prop and our, our our challenges and our opportunities every day because everything that shows up in our inbox is just the echoing of the conversation I had with them last week, last month, last year. And so we're, you know, we're on that journey to get there and and to have partners be super proud of the engagement and have those sales team feel like the entire organization is behind them and and living their their value prop and working hard every day to connect their vision with their customers and deliver on that. So that's that's sort of the way I think about our mental model um, here at Pax8 Marketing. And I think that, you know, I've tuned that from, as you say, 20 years of learning from salespeople, what what their challenges are, what great looks like, what it means to be in that value promise to partners and to really build a relationship and feel like, you know, that par- that partner's business is their business. And so I, by extension, you know, feel that as well. I, I wake up every day in service of, you know, our partners and our salespeople. And, and that's, that's how I earn my paycheck, hopefully every day. I, I love how you've painted the picture of so much collaboration and really a single team mindset. You know, as I hear Caroline, you, you describe 
the role of sales and the role of marketing, I'm hearing you describe a go-to-market motion as opposed to a marketing motion or a sales motion. But let's get back to your career and, and how you decided which path to take. Because, you know, if someone were to pull up your experiences and, you know, even gone back, say, five years, they may have seen you on path to a CRO gig or a, you know, VP of sales of a high growth company. Uh, and that's, you know, not a bad path at all. But when I look at roles like director of worldwide sales operations, um, you know, roles like corporate sales strategy, I, I'm not expecting someone to go the CMO road. So when did you realize that was the path for you? Well, so I would start by saying I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a non-traditional CMO for sure, but I'm also non-traditional in my career. I'm, I'm a big believer that uh, careers aren't ladders, they're jungle gyms. And so I, the great Hugh McLeod has a great cartoon. If anyone wants to look for that, I have it sitting on a plaque on my desk. Um, and I've, I've embraced that my entire career. I mean, I started out as a biology and chemistry major. So, um, and then parlayed that into consulting um, and then got bit by the tech bug and I've been in it ever since. You know, and, and by that, the, the other through line that you'll see is, is, is math and data, right? My biology and chemistry, I've got math. And I think, you know, where the market has gone and in my experience, it's been go to market and I've rotated around the axis of, you know, the value proposition to the customers that we have every day. And so I've been very deliberate in climbing around that jungle gym and getting experience experience. And I think, you know, it was really formative to be in that sales enablement, sales strategy role, which is to take the product value props at Microsoft or to take the data and really connect that and, and be that connective tissue. And so you're right, 20 years ago, I may have been on the path to sales because that that was that core value prop. I think if I think about where marketing is and sales and marketing and that connected commerce motion now, marketing has moved so much into data and analytics and customer journeys and in building out that data. So that that to me is 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 where I sort of pivoted, which is how do you how do you take all that nuance and that information and and package it up and make and reason over it and and make insights out of it for the sales team. So in essence, I've sort of just stepped back and collected a little bigger basket of my sales enablement and my partner or customer enablement by getting into marketing. Um, and like I said, I, I, I see such porous boundaries. Um, and I think one of the things that I, my goal is, and what I learned a lot in the last four years at Microsoft of connecting our commerce and building kind of a digital sales strategy is, you know, the tools we have, you know, Uberflip, HubSpot, you know, all these tools connect that motion and connect the information. What we have to do is connect the people as well. And so that's my big goal is, is to make sure that we really, you know, we, we connect our goals and our objectives and our, our humanity and, and build that out because we can, we can use all the tools in the world, but building that trust and that empathy and that engagement across sales and marketing, I think is where certainly I wanted to take it. And, and at PAX 8, we're trying to be really analytical and, and really build that, that Mobius strip of data-driven insights for our partners. And so I think that's, that's where I stepped into the role and I am standing on the shoulders of some really great marketers. Um, and I am delighted and honored to be leading an extraordinary talented group of just extraordinary marketers. That's great. And, and it's interesting. I find it very interesting and, and I've got your LinkedIn pulled up. You, you've been at PaxAve for almost 18 months. You came there, though, similar to what we just said, as a sales strategist, corporate VP of sales strategy. 
So it and and let's go back to where we started this conversation. This is a company that's doing a billion in run rate. So this is not a small company where you say, oh, well, why don't we give this person a shot at the CMO gig? So they, you must have done something, as you said, to win over these marketers that you get to sit on their shoulders in, in those humble words. But you know, what was that moment where they said, Caroline, we want you to take a run at this? When I started talking to Pax8, one of the things I think we aligned around, and 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 I wasn't necessarily even looking, we just had this sort of alchemy of conversation. Um, and, you know, and that's, by the way, what I love about marketing is marketing is this perfect alchemy of, of science and art. And so, but when we started talking, one of the things that I had been doing at Microsoft that I think aligned and, and connected the vision of bringing me in, but also has been sort of the, the work that I've been doing over the last 18 months is this connected sales and marketing motion. And I talked about wiring up the data and getting the marketing data and the insights and all the, you know, the insights and the knowledge that marketing had about our customers and getting that into the sales surface area. So for the last four years at Microsoft, I worked with a great team. And what we did was exactly that. We took, you know, the ABM data, you know, the insights we had about customers and what they're using and the utilization and tried to wire that up into our sales tools for the salespeople. And I became this sort of, you know, interstitial layer between our, our our marketing and our sales team and really spent a lot of time, quite frankly, you know, working with the data scientists, the tools, the technology, the salespeople and marketers to really build out that package. And it isn't enough to have the data. It's about a, putting it into the context and the tools and the ways of working that salespeople have every day and making that data actionable, but also building that that feedback loop. So... Back in the day, we used to deliver ABM recommendations. And the first thing the salesperson does is give me a yes or no, thumbs up or thumbs down, right? And that's the first, first set of data I get back. Second set is, what, then what happened? You know, they're, they're on this journey. They use this information. They engage a customer, in our case, in marketing or at Pax8, a partner. What happened? You know, and again, you can be on that journey. They might not be ready. They might be, you know, they might not have the capacity. They might, uh, you know, it might be economic. But again, that piece of data back in that round trip because not everything turns into a, an opportunity in Salesforce, right? So what's what's that engagement and what's the salesperson intuition about right offer, right customer, right time? We're taking a guess and they'll always know more about their customer partner than we will. So then they pull that back. So that's what I was trying to do and that's what I came in with at PAX8 is how do we build that out for our sales teams who are in service of all these partners who have very different journeys and very different customers? And how do we start building that journey of data and insights and augment their knowledge? Because, you know, we started out with a sales team. It was, Pax8 was a great set of engineers and a great sales team, as, as most startups often are. How do we arm them? And how do we build out that sales surface area where I'm building trust with my sales team and saying, hey, this is where I think there's opportunity. Here's why. And I'd love your feedback on that. And then take that through the journey and then build that back. So that's the journey we're on is really building that connective tissue of data, insights, and quite frankly, intuition. And then tell me how the intuition worked and I'm going to build the models to make it smarter. I, I love that. And, and Caroline, you're setting up the second part of our conversation so smoothly here. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be back on the marketer's journey to explore how you are creating a great buyer journey. No doubt. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. 
Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. You heard Caroline talk about the need to put the right content in front of the right buyer at the right time. But this gets even harder when we're looking at the number of stakeholders or number of buyers in her world. You've got 1,600 employees just in her organization, but then you have the 30,000 partners and ultimately 500,000 customers. It's impossible for marketing to create that many different content experiences. And that's where we're seeing a huge rise in what's known as DSRs. DSRs is a digital sales room. In fact, G2 alone has seen a 325% increase in demand for DSRs in the last year. The idea of a DSR is quite simple. Allow your sales rep to go and find the right pieces of content to put in front of your buyer. You create this digital sales room that they can continue to leverage as the deal progresses, putting the right assets, whether it's thought leadership, whether it's a purchase material, or whether it's a proposal and contract. As the deal progresses, that room with the right content progresses. And that is the scale that we need to start to think about to enable buyers to progress through the journey on their own. So Caroline, as, as we were chatting earlier, I was overwhelmed by the number of permutations of customer interactions that you might have. Um, when I think about the reality of having, first of all, you know, 1,600 employees, 65 of which are marketers, I mean, they can only do so much within this, this power. But, but then it extends, as you described, because I think you said 30,000 partners who work with 500,000 different customers. So every customer has got a unique need. How do you package the right offering to each buyer at multiple levels here? <laughs> well, there, therein lies the, the the big badge and the big passion for Paxate every day, right? We, you know, <laughs> we're we're trying and experimenting every day, right? And and I think what we try and do is really start with the partner um, because they know their customers best. That's why you know MSPs are such a vital part of the ecosystem. Is they just live and breathe their customers' missions and take them on as their own every day. So. You know, we are, but our journey's messy and our funnel's messy. And, and so what we start out with is really, like I said, there's these three main simple paths we start with on our, our, our partner journey, which is at any given moment, our partners are usually trying to grow their business. They're trying to increase operational efficiencies and they're trying to reduce risk. And again, risk, there's a lot of security risk these days, right? So we work with a lot of security solutions, but it could be operational risk. You know, how do I, it could be, you know, business risk. How do I, how do I do things better? So we start there. And, and I think, you know, the, the content for us that we're working on now needs to be serviceable, right? It needs to, in that, in that category, let's take security as an example. How do we make content serviceable for our salespeople 
but also sort of those leaveaways. You know, how do we, you know, tickle the ivories on a on a digital journey with some content um, that salespeople can use, that partners can use potentially to assess their own security. But then also it's a leaveaway, right? That they can take, pull down, use with their partners. How do we make it, it easy? Because we're sort of setting the table on a security topic and we're helping our sales team do that. But at the end of the day, the last mile is that conversation with our partner's customer. And so what we've really started to work really hard on is how do we start building content that's serviceable for that need, that's available for the partner at the right moment, at the right time. And so we might have a really great conversation and a buy conversation about, you know, our partners with Sentinel One and a good solution for a partner's healthcare service. But how do we how do we help them figure out when when's the right time? So we're looking at serviceable needs. The other example is how do you have diagnostics, right? So on our security hub, we have a lot of assess your stack, assess your security posture against, you know, CIS controls or NIST or these things. So we're really trying to say, how do we build content that is active? Um, and that gives us a lot of feedback as well. Um, so our content, we a you know build build uh, it's sort of that measure twice, cut once, carpentry rule of life, and deliver everywhere. And so um, that's that's what we do, and we we try and build it so that it starts with the end customer and works backward. So so to your point, and and I want to be clear because I'm sure people are listening to this and they're curious about this world that you're in, where there's partners and you're enabling those partners, but they're also selling and you're enabling that sale. So are you creating the content more for your sales reps to work with your partners or as well, are you responsible for the content or at least the ideas in their mind that inform their content to the ultimate customer, as you say? A bit of both, right? So I think we started out, you know, we always are in service of our salespeople and then the partners. But again, to be value add to the partners, we want to build content that they can use and maybe, you know, dust off our logo and put their logo on it, right? Which is which is great. So we start for, first and foremost with partners. I mean, the other thing is about about education, right? So we've got our Pax8 Academy brings a ton of really good content, um, simple ways to think about things. So we leverage our expertise in educating about growing a business effectively as an MSP, for instance, but also equally so on things like, you know, what's new in, in Microsoft 365 and how do we think about this co-pilot coming up and and build that content first to educate our, our our salespeople and our partners, but how do we build that so they can use it? And and I think that's that's the Pax8 promise that we want to deliver for our partners is giving them content that helps them understand and intuit where there's business opportunities. But I'd love it if we built content that they can dust off and use in their conversations with customers. And even if it's just in their head virtually. I think we're working hard to start to build that in mind. So I think it's a, a bit of all three. First and foremost, it's salespeople and partners. But how do we reduce, reuse, and recycle and, and build out content that they can use um, or repurpose in a way that serves their business? Because a lot of our partners don't have big marketing departments. They're not going to have the ability to create custom content. So that's not a space we've been playing in too much right now. Certainly our 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 predecessors do that. And, and we're spending time listening to our partners and we're going to have some time at our partner conference in a couple of weeks to sit down with them and really understand what they need. And, and that's probably where we'll go next. Gotcha. So, so you hit on one element there that, that I love, and that's the openness to say a partner can take our content, they can dust it off, they can put their own logo. So that's, if you will, that's kind of the creation element. You're, you're relieving that part, but maybe you can speak a little bit to 
how you encourage both your team and partners to package the right content. Now, I, I love the three buckets that you described, you know, the growth, efficiency, and risk. I think that's a, a simple way. And I love frameworks because it allows people to control all the various assets that they have to work with. But how do you think about moving beyond, you don't have to create this much to, here's the right assets to pull together? Ah, oh, that's a great question, right? I mean, I think Randy, you and I were talking, you had a, a quote about, you know, sort of 80% of marketing content doesn't used or doesn't get used in the right way. And so I think it's a challenge we all face, right? You know, for us, it, we're spending a lot of time trying to really build those modules of content, you know, in security. Um, how do you build that journey for the salespeople, which is, hey, start here, you know, start with with the assessment and the security hub and walk the walk the partner through it, which is, hey, let's start with you. Let's put our mask on before helping others, right? There's the, there's that notion around security of making sure as an MSP, you're really secure. So, you know, how do you build that that little module of take the assessment and here's two more pieces where you might have found an opportunity in the CI's controls for your own sake. And so we're working hard to sort of build that that path of assess, here's two follow-ups, here's two more and 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 kind of build that out for the sales team. But it's a challenge of you know, building that content in. And I think the other piece is building it into the, the places and the hubs they spend time every day. So how do we link out of Salesforce? How do we, you know, make sure that in the in the value prop and in the the pillars that we've got in, in Salesforce in our journey, there's really good, you know, one sheets, links back. We build that that module out for our salespeople because then they can they can use it. And we're we're pretty good at letting our salespeople, you know, pull off the shelves of that module and use that into outreach and, and be able to build their stuff. So we're, we're pretty, um, we're pretty empowering for our sales team to use the right content. So we're, we're using a lot of different tools just to make sure that we've got our content and, you know, in our, in our asset management tools, making sure we're tagging it right, building those out and, and, and really getting to the right fingertip triggers for our salespeople. Um, so we've got everything really tagged out and, and, and visualized in a way that they can use it. That's that's key. The the utilization and as you said, eighty percent of content doesn't get used. I'm sure a lot of people listening are, are saying things like, "Yeah, but it's on my blog. No one's going there, right?" You know, and and not no one's going there. But SEO only takes us so far today. Versus you know enabling buyers with the right content that they need to to browse on their own. So I I think you're you've got the the right mindset without a doubt, Caroline. We are going to take another short break here. I've got a couple of rapid fire questions before we wrap up the episode right after this break. If you've listened to this podcast before, many of our guests take a path to CMO through marketing, but in Caroline's case, she came through sales. I think with the mindset today of a go-to-market team, which is a term we're hearing more and more, not that it's new, but it's on the rise. There's actually a analyst firm now called Go-to-Market Partners, and they define the go-to-market team or the revenue team that's connected as a combination of customer success, marketing, and sales. And with that mindset, you have to wonder if we're going to see more CMOs, not necessarily coming through marketing, but coming through sales and understanding what is needed by sales reps on behalf of the organization. What does marketing need to do? If we have someone with that understanding and that empathy, perhaps they'll be just as successful, if not more.
So Caroline, you were very honest that you have not taken the traditional path to be a CMO. Um, but now that you're in that seat and you look back, what is a skill that every CMO should embrace along their journey? I think being inquisitive. And I, I consider, like I said, marketing is this beautiful blend of art and science. And it's becoming more sciencey by the day. So I, you know, in my marketing, I embrace the science lab metaphor. I'm an, a science major. So I think about testing and learning. And I think for my teams, particularly and as a CMO, you need to build that science lab experimentation because innovation is key. And so, you know, to me, the science lab metaphor helps neutralize that fear of failure because in science, everything, even failure is data. And so I think about that and, and just embracing that normalizing experimentation and failure and celebrating that everything is data and let's be, let's be learning focused and let's try some things, have fun, fail fast and, and be learners. That's a, that's a great mentality and, and definitely a key to, uh, to adapting as, as the world around us has definitely adapted in the last number of years, we need to be nimble. Another question for you, and we talked a lot about content today and, and how we package it and how we enable in your case, so many different stakeholders. But I'm, I'm curious on the other side of it as a buyer, and, and I know you have a large tech stack yourself, how does someone get your attention? What is it that breaks through either in the outreach from a sales rep or the marketing air cover? What is the indication that this should grab your attention? <laughs> well, I'm a, uh, I'm a perfect example of that. You get announced as a new CMO and you get to see almost everybody's pitch. So <laughs> I, uh, I've been a learning lab for a lot of people on that as well. Um, I think number one is, is, is you know, learn a little bit something, learn a lot about, about the, the business. I get so many that are generic. They, you know, they, they are selling me B2C software that's not fit for purpose. They don't know that we're in the, you know, small business space or the partner space. And so it's just irrelevant. And there might be some really good jewels I'm missing, but the pitch or the email that comes in just doesn't resonate with the value prop. I think the best way is the people who do a little research and give me the hook. I, I'm looking for a hook. I get, you know, as everyone does, you know, 30, 40, 50 of these a day. And so there needs to be a hook. I think the best hook is know a little bit about my business and my customers. And then if you know a little bit about me, that's great too. But but give me an understanding of what I might use. Give me one good thing that your solution provides. And then I'll I'll be curious and I'll find the time. So that's what I'd say. That's a that's a great answer. Um, so tied to that is is this idea of personalization. And we've talked a lot again about segmentation today. Uh, I'm going to rhyme off some of these numbers again because they are so impressive and overwhelming at the same time in terms of you having 30,000 partners and 500,000 customers. I mean, the, the the math there alone is dumbfounding. So what does it mean to be personalized in your books? Is that I know your name, as you just said, or what is the real element that we should be striving for when we say personalization? I think it's knowing a little bit about the mission we're on at PAX 8 and what we're trying to achieve. So, you know, understand, look at, you know, we talk a lot about it on social. You don't have to dig very hard. I mean, we're very purpose-driven on our partners and we speak a lot about our marketplace and, and our partners. And I think that's personalization is understanding our mission and understanding who we're in service of. So if you can come to me with, hey, I, I understand about MSPs and gosh, it must be hard to service an MSP who has these customers. And I think we've got an idea about how we can make that journey shorter or collect this data, or we sort of have an understanding a little bit about MSPs. Great. I'm listening. 
but that's right. that's it. Yeah, I mean to paraphrase that response, I think it's you're you you know, we need to understand the problems our buyers have. And when we do and we show an indication that we can solve a problem, someone's going to pay attention. Uh one last question for you here and that that that's maybe the toughest one of the day and, and this comes down to balance. Uh you know, being at the scale that we've talked about you're in 17 different markets, I believe. There's got to be inquiries and interest coming your way every hour of the day. How do you take breaks for yourself, for your family, for whatever might be important for you to get that personal journey taken care of? Well, balance has been a journey for me. So I may, uh, I'll be completely candid and say it's it's taken me a lot of life to get to the balance. Um, but I think I'm I'm a better teacher about that now for my teams. So, you know, that that old model of, you know, that old professor's um, sage about filling the jar with the big rocks and then the small rocks and then the pebbles and sand. And then there's always room for a little wine or juice, depending on your, your poison. Um, I, I, I finally hit that model. So for me, I'm a mountains person. I'm an outdoors person. The best version of Caroline is in the mountains. So I'm a skier. I'm a trail runner. Um, I sign up for these ridiculous ultra runs, which I, I should put running in, in parentheses around me. But um, I, I, I prioritize that time. Um, and I prioritize getting up, getting out and getting fresh air. And um, so for me, that's that's the best version of me is when I'm outdoors, I get a little mountain time. And I'm also a peripatetic traveler and adventurer. And so for me, getting a trip on the books and having some big adventures on the calendar, be that an ultra marathon, be that going to somewhere I haven't been is important for me. And when I can't travel books, books were always my little adventure when I was a kid. So I make sure I understand also for my team, what, what best model is for them. I tell my team all the time, I'm best when I'm, you know, traveling, I'm outdoors and I'm reading. What is it for you? And just knowing that, that for your team as well. So those are my restoration principles. I love that. I, I love that analogy of the rocks. I don't. I don't know if I've heard about the wine and the juice on top. That's. Uh, but it sounds like between the traveling maybe is the wine and the athletics is the juice. In your case, I feel like you got them both going. Uh, this has been so much fun, so much to learn from you. And if you're tuning in for your first episode of the Marketer's Journey, realize that every marketer's path is different. I mean, you heard Caroline talk about the unique path she took through sales enablement to get to where she is today. I hope one day, whatever path you're taking, you're on here to share it. Until next time, thanks to Caroline and thank you all for tuning in. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.